0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Tonight's message is entitled Habakkuk Chapter Three by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. Now tonight we're going to finish our series on Habakkuk. How many have enjoyed Habakkuk? We're going to finish our series. Amen we're going to finish our series. We talked about when God seems unfair. And uh we we're, last week we talked about the waiting game. And tonight we're going to talk about worshiping. And uh we're not we're not trying to talk about it in a sense of emotional worship. We're trying to talk about it in a sense of living a lifestyle of worship. If any man be a worshiper, John 9, 31, if any man be a worshiper, in other words, if that's your occupation, him God heareth. If any man be a worshiper, not just somebody that waves a little handkerchief every now and then and says, "Woo, I felt it. But if anyone lives a life of worship, I mean, you walk in worship. This is who I am. You see this ephod? It's who I am. I wear this all the time because I praise him all day long. And that's what we are. So turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor tonight. We're speaking on tonight, coming out of the dip. That's not snuff. We're coming out of the dip tonight. You may be seated. You're awesome people. I love you very much. If you've ever faced a very difficult situation and you just knew that God could do something about it, but God didn't do something about it and that confuses you, you're very likely to relate to the story of the man we've been talking about for the last two weeks. In review, Habakkuk was written somewhere around the year 600 B.C. under the king named Jehoiakim. He's one of the 12 minor prophets, but his story is a little bit different. You see, prophets represented God's message to the people, but Habakkuk was the only prophet that actually represented the people's message back to God. I want you to get that. Now you wonder why this took place. Well God had spoken to the prophet and he said go tell the people that they're corrupt, that they're sinning, and that I'm going to have to judge them for their sins. And most likely Habakkuk would have said I don't like that. I don't want my people in Judah to give them that message. But God you're right. They are corrupt. They are vile. They're violent. And so I understand But here's the part that messed Habakkuk up. God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a group of people who are even more evil to destroy the people that you say are the children of God. And he's saying, well, I don't really get that. Habakkuk said, okay, I know that we're bad, but you're going to use these people known as the Babylonians? I mean, they're mean, they're violent, they're corrupt, and God, they're cheaters. They cheat. They don't even even fight wars fair. Some here can say, God, that just doesn't seem fair. So let me show you a diagram. We showed it to you last week. Put it back up there. This is what we call the dip. Seth Godin wrote a book called The Dip, and he actually uses this, and we'll use it in an entirely different context, but the diagram looks something like this. Now, you might want to put a little X in your mind at what I call the starting point. The starting point will be way over here to the left. As that dip starts start to go up, or it may be even down at the bottom for somebody that doesn't know God. So here, here's a person who has never known the love and the grace of God. They're in the lower left-hand corner, and the Holy Spirit's working on them. And as the Spirit draws them, they, they call out the name of the Lord, and what they find is absolutely a new life in Christ. Because when they start believing that He is, and that He's a rewarder, that they seek Him, God Almighty somehow just finds a way to save them. And they're born anew. Their sins are forgiven. They're filled with the Spirit. Then all of a sudden, there's this meteoric of broom spiritual high, and they're changed. How many remember that day? How many? Come on. Come on. You remember that. Let's get excited. Not everybody at one time because, man, we're... And they pray, and God answers their prayer. And there's, there's these little God coincidences everywhere they go, and, 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 and they stay on this spiritual high. Anybody relate to that? You remember when you found the Lord? I remember when I found the Lord, the night I found the Lord, my Sunday school teacher was the ugliest woman in our church. And God let me see her as beautiful. And I went over and hugged her. And she kissed me and, oh, God. I was a little nine-year-old boy. I didn't need that. I just wanted to hug her. But life goes on. And yesterday, God answered your prayer immediately, but today he didn't. And we wah, 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 we wait. And God, I thought we had this deal. Every time we prayed, you did what I wanted you to do and now you don't. What's going on? Or some, something bad happens when someone who is innocent and you say, God, that's not fair. That's not right. God, I thought it was always going to be good, but it's not so good. And you could do something about it, but you're not. I don't get it. Be honest. How many of you have ever had a time or a talk like that with God? Let's talk. Come on. Raise your hand. I have. A bunch of you would say, I can relate to this type of time. We've called it in our series last week, the first week, a crisis of belief. Write that down, a crisis of belief. I thought God, but it's not, so what do we do now? A lot of people want to go immediately back to the last point of their spiritual high. And really, really they want to act like everything's okay. They want to act like everything's in order. And so they act like that they still got a spiritual high, but it's not a spiritual high. It's just kind of a fake it till you make it. And they're not where they want to be because they're feeling empty on the inside. But they think because they've been converted, they've been changed, they've been saved, they've been filled with the Spirit of God, all of a sudden they think they're supposed to live this life. And so they get concerned because they're not feeling what they used to feel. And others say, okay, God, okay, that's how it's going to be. Either you're not good or you're not really there, so forget you, God. I, won't, I will go back to a life without you. And that's happened in biblical times, it's happened in modern times, and it'll happen in the future. And that's what we call the crisis of belief. So here's the question. In fact, if you want to put a little X in your mind here, you might might understand that that dip goes up and then it goes down. And about where that arrow's pointing is where Habakkuk was in chapter one. Because Habakkuk was living in this God, I know you're able, I know you're able to give us this high, but I'm living in this dip. You're not doing what I think you should do. And so he's questioning God, he's asking God, he's wondering why God is not doing what God should do. And so then the second chapter rolls along and he might have moved about an inch or two to the right, but he's still in the dip, maybe a little lower now because now he's in a waiting process. The first chapter is, I wonder. The second chapter is, I'm waiting. And you, you say, how do we get out of this? How, how do we go so high and then come down and live in this thing? And how do we get out of this thing? I'm glad you asked. Right. Because that's where we're going to go tonight. Right. Because I, I believe with all my heart, what God wants to do in this service tonight is to give us a chapter 3 level of living. Put it up there, a chapter 3 level. Say chapter 3 level. Now, let me tell you before I get started. This is one of my favorite chapters in all the Old Testament. I'm so glad that we finally got to chapter 3 because I want to talk about chapter 3. In the New Testament, the way of actually representing this principle is found in the book of James. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds or any kind, Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete without lacking anything. Can I tell you something? When you are not lacking anything, it's because you have matured and because you've learned how to persevere, because life is not a dash. It's a marathon. I've got a man in our church that's going going this Thanksgiving down to Cozumel to run and do a triathlon. And I asked him, so tell me what it is. It's a 112-mile bike ride. It's a 2.4-mile swim. It's a 26.3-mile run or two-mile run. It's It's a marathon. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And I said, have fun. But sometimes in this Christian walk, it's, it's triathlon. In the land, on the sea, in your car, driving down the road, you're going to face situations. But we got to get tough in this hour. Christians many times think that everything is just in the hands of God, and it is. But we've got to get a toughness in us that no matter what happens in our life, We're going to get a chapter 3 level of living. We're going to understand it takes perseverance. It takes some get up and get after it again. The only difference between a man that's victorious and a man that loses is how many times he gets back up after he's knocked down. You got to keep getting back up. You got to keep getting back up. You got to keep getting back up. And one day, hell will say, I just can't defeat that attitude. Stay with me now. So with that foundation laid, let's lay, let's, let's dive into Habakkuk chapter one, verse one, chapter three, verse one. It says a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on she goinoth, go whatever. On she go, I'll just call it she go, <laughs> What in the world is that weird word doing the Bible? Glad you asked. It's simply a musical setting for a song. Which lets us know that Habakkuk probably was a music man, which Will Smith picked up later and called it Get Jiggy with It. <laughs> that didn't cost nothing. Just. Most likely it's a musical setting for a song. So in verse 2, he says Now watch this, folks, read it. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. This is chapter 3, verse 2. Renew them. In our day, revive your works, Lord. In our time, make them known. In wrath, God, remember mercy. What he's saying is, God, I remember, I've heard about your miracles in the past, I've heard about your power, I've heard about your glory. I remember them, but God, you're not doing that right now. If I was honest, I could tell you there are seasons in my past where God's presence seemed more real than at other times in my past. And there were seasons when God's power seemed more evident than it did in other times in my past. It was like God was doing this and God was doing that. And then all of a sudden, sometimes I would wake up and say, God, I know you can, but you're not. Would you renew what you used to do in the days that I used to think that you were awesome? I'm going to teach to you tonight. I hope you can. God, do it again. And that's what Habakkuk is saying. In fact, the Hebrew word that is translated renew is the word kawya. It means to renew. It means to revive. It means to restore. Say ya. Say it, ya. Sound like you're almost receiving the spirit there. <laughs> ya. What do you do? <laughs> I'm trying to wake you all up. What do you do when you're in the dip? When circumstances aren't changing, when things aren't improving, how do you by faith climb out of that dip and get back to the top? There's three things you do and I'm gonna preach them to you tonight. Number one, everybody say you gotta remember what God has done. Everybody say you gotta remember. You gotta look back and remember the faithfulness and the character and the integrity and the goodness of God. We're going to remember what God has done. And here's what is going to do He's going to look at some very tangible and very visible things that will trigger spiritual memories because things can trigger memories. Like a smell. You ever had a smell trigger a memory? Oh, I. I Patty's perfume when we first met. God. I love that woman. Will Smith said, get jiggy with it. I mean, it was just, whoom. She can pull it out today. She can pull that perfume out today. She hardly ever wears. She can pull it out today. And I say, hmm, the first time I met you. I'll get off that because some of y'all are embarrassed because y'all don't have that feeling about y'all's wives. How about chocolate pie? Chocolate pie. The smell of a chocolate pie. A pumpkin pie. You know what that reminds me of? Mom. I just, I'm, I'm back in mom's house. I'm back in dad's house. And mom's cooking for Thanksgiving. She's cooking for Christmas. And I smell that pumpkin pie. And I smell that chocolate pie. Wow. How about mothballs? I'm in grandma's house. <laughs> I don't know what it would be. But there are certain things that trigger memories in our life. It could be a song. The other day, the other day I was in a place and I heard Dobie Gray singing, Drift Away. Oh, yeah. Give me, you with me? <laughs> Give me the beat, boys, that frees my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll. Come on, Come on, Son, I felt like Michael Jackson, this moonwalk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was awesome. You know what that reminds you? Some of you that's in my, in my life, in, in my age, you know what I'm talking about. You remember that first date and you heard Dobie Gray sing Come that. On you turn the radio up because he does a lot better than your talk to that date did that night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or that first time you skated with that little girl in high school. Give me the beat, boy, that free my soul. Wanna I get, Woo! It's a song. You get in the car. You get in the car, turn the radio on, hopefully to a Christian station. We're getting spiritual now. <laughs> and you hear this song and it takes you back. Andre Kraut singing it, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. And all of a sudden, you can go to welling up and tearing up and saying, oh, hallelujah, there's something about memory that can just put you back into that place. And you remember the goodness and the power and the grace of God. Verse 3 says, God came down from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Perrin, Selah, which means like an exclamation point. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Teman. You know what Teman was? Teman was two mountain ranges that was kind of horseshoe shaped. One was Sinai over here and Perrin was over here. And Teman was the ground that covered all that area. And so Habakkuk said God came from there. Now you may be scratching your head and said, what does that place mean? Well, to God's people, they knew exactly what it meant because whenever God delivered the Israelites out of Egyptians' bondage, he parted the Red Sea. They went through it. The sea closed up. The Egyptians got drowned, and God took his people to Teman. He took them to that very place because that's where God gave Moses the law. That's where the table of stones were at Mount Sinai. That's where Moses went up and heard from God and God came from that place and, and Habakkuk said I remember that place just as God would often have built altars have built, to build altars to remember what God had done and called them Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Signature and call these altars great places and great names God Almighty still does that today in the New Testament we take his communion we take the juice, we take the bread because it's his blood, it's his body and we remember what he's done for us anybody remember what he's done for us? <laughs> That's an awesome thing to know. We've got a Jesus that came and died for us. Well, I feel like preaching now. Verse 4 through 6. God, your splendor. It was like the sunrise. Look how beautiful this is written. The rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plagues went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked. He made the nations tremble. He just looked. It's like my mama. She looked and I trembled. Anybody have a mama like that? When I was, uh, when, when mama was just about ready to call it a day, she looked at me one day and I still trembled. And I'm passionate this church for a long time. Mama could look and I'd tremble. But God looked and nations trembled. That's the God that we serve. Anyway, he looked in the nation. And the ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. And then for the next Eight or nine verses from 7 to 15, Habakkuk starts talking about the display of God's power through nature. He said, I remember you guided your people by fire and by a cloud. And I remember you fed us with bread from heaven. And I remember when the waters parted and we walked through. And I remember when you shook the earth and the walls came tumbling down. And I remember when you used torrential rains to defeat the enemy. And I remember when you used pestilences and plagues. And God, I remember what you're capable of. Would you renew those deeds in our day? Whenever I'm in the dip, sometimes I just have to remember. Can I talk to you about memory just a little bit? Let me take some of you back in this church. My college years in seminary, I was very oppressed by the enemy for about three or four months, very oppressed. And I called on the name of the Lord one night and I said, Lord, I do not want to preach this gospel so hell can and will torment me day and night. If I'm going to preach this gospel... I want to have victory and dominion over the thing that I'm preaching against. And I was accosted one moment and by the power of the name of Jesus, I stood up and everything was totally different. And I remember that moment not once but twice. And I remember when living in the back of a church and pastoring a small fellowship in Dallas, Texas, in the Oak Cliff area, I prayed and asked God for a miracle. I needed food for my baby, I needed food for my wife. And I went to the mailbox, and there was a check in the mail for enough to buy groceries and money left over. I even bought olives that day with piminas in the middle of them, and I ate half a jar while we were shopping. I remember God's keeping power through the tragedy of 1981. I remember when God brought Patty into my life. I was hurting, I was broken and God sent a miracle and she has stood beside my side for almost 33 years. I remember singing to her on our wedding night. I remember singing to her, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. And I remember the last line of that song, please don't take my sunshine away. And it's as if God said, I've got you one that'll never take your sunshine away. And I salute my sweet wife tonight sitting right over here. I remember those times. I remember one day. Hear me, I'm preaching. I remember one day a promise God gave me that all my kids would be saved and bless our family with their lives and every Sunday they're on this platform. I believe that God has done that work and I remember when the Lord promised to give me great son-in-laws and that they would all be horn fans and that prayer has almost come true with one exception. Crimson Tide is back there running the sound tonight. And I remember when we came to Austin, young, full of faith, and God said we'd walk in territory we'd never traversed before. And I remember building this building, and some said we would never fill it. And the first Sunday that year was Easter, and it was standing room only the first time we walked in. And I remember going to the balcony one Wednesday night and speaking to the church below when nobody sat up there on Wednesday and said, there's a crowd coming, get ready, get ready, get ready. I remember those days, and I remember... I remember God healing people in this church. I remember a man named Hector. Hector Ramirez that had ALS. Yes, that's Lou Gehrig's disease. Was given less than a year to live. And God healed him right here in this church. Right standing right. Standing right there. And six months later it came back on him. But we would not be denied. We prayed again. That was 15 years ago. He's still an usher in this church. Because God knows how to heal. remember one time a lady fell through the attic onto her back eight foot fall and the doctor said she broke her back in such a place she would never walk again two weeks later she walked in this church she's still walking today and i remember one sunday morning when five couples lined up here and they could not have children they couldn't conceive and we prayed and 10 months later there were five new babies in this church and before it was all over there was a grand total of 15 babies and one couple that had four of those kids begged me to stop praying for them oh i'm telling you god's good. God's great. God's awesome. He's powerful. He's a healer. He's a savior. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Somebody, can you remember? Can you remember? Oh. I feel like having a little church tonight. Can you remember what God has done in your life? I'm from West Texas. There are standers and there are squatters in West Texas. Anyway, sometime you've got to stand up and say, he's done something for me too. Somebody said, well, Pastor, mine's never been anything like that that happened in my life. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. For those of you who've been believers for any amount of time, I guarantee you, if you think back, God will show you some things he's done in your life. You come to church and God gives you a word fitly spoken, like an apple of gold in a pitcher of silver. And you don't want to come that night, but the Holy Spirit spoke to you through the word. And you've never been the same. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you did not know what to do, but the Lord gave you direction. You followed, and the rest is history. Or maybe it was a time where you were hurting, and you turned on the radio, and there was this song, and there was a message for you, and it just took you back. Or it could have been something as simple as one day you were reading the Bible, and you came across a verse, and it was exactly what you wanted. exactly what you needed and you said oh my God is God that loving in all this Bible in all these books 66 books that I could find a phrase that would fit my need to a T that's the kind of God we serve (laughs) you just got to go back sometime you got to go back sometime you got to go back and remember what God's done let's clap for what he's done for us in our life Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second thing you have to do, you have to accept what God is doing. That doesn't mean that you roll over and play dead, don't pray for a miracle or whatever, but when you're in the dip, it's time to acknowledge you're in the dip. But that doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change who you are. You're just in the dip. Or if God has directly spoken as he did with Habakkuk, if God has spoken and said so, then you accept what God has said because too many Christians don't. And they are what I call hits Christian, H-I-T-S, head in the sand. Oh, I'm fixed too, honey. Head in the sand, Christians. Too many Christians put their head in the sand. When the doctor comes to you and says, your health's not good, you need to make some changes. Instead of facing the truth, they just put their head in the sand. When their marriage is in trouble and the spouse says, hey, we need counseling, they say, oh, no, I think it'll work out. We don't need anybody. Pastor can't help us. Counselors can't help us. They got their head in the sand. Sometimes when the finances are bad, people say, but I want that house. I want that house more than I want anything. So they buy the house on faith and they put their head in the sand. When a storm is coming, some Christians don't prepare. They don't face the truth. They just put their head in the sand. And maybe God is saying to you, pull your head out. Can I talk to you real serious right now? We're in a mess in this world. Anybody know those initials about those soldiers? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. I don't want anybody kidding to them here that's come looking for me tonight. I won't tell you where I live, but the ISIS soldiers are coming. Yes. Daniel prophesied about a beast that would come that you can't even identify. said, but he has iron teeth that will chew you and, and bite you down, and he'll stomp the residue with his feet. We are living in a day, folks, when spirits are coming up out of every hollow. You hear me? There is an antichrist spirit that is alive and well on planet earth right now. And the reason it don't affect us yet is because it had not hit America like it's hit the foreign world right now. But I promise you, they know where America is. Some of us need to understand that we better get serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ right now. I'm not trying to scare you, but you better get serious. Get your hand head out of the sand. Come on, get your head up. Get your eyes open. Jesus Christ is for us. But we've got to be strong in this hour. We've got to be relentless in this hour. We've got to believe that God can do and will do anything now. In fact, verse 16, Habakkuk said, I heard... I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. I realized that what God said is going to come to pass. It's not going to be pleasant. But we can't hide our head in the sand. Are you with me? We can't be hit Christian. Head in the sand. We can't be those kind. We got to look up. We got to realize we're living in a very, very shaky society, shaky world. And I'm not a, boy, I hate to be a, a negative preacher up here tonight. But I'm telling you, there's a real thing going on in our world. And Christians are the target. Somebody said, somebody said, well, I believe we're going to get caught up. Well, if we're going to get caught out of here, let's get ready to get caught out of here. Let's don't be dragging our little bow peeps behind us. Let's move on. Let's get ready. If Jesus is coming, let's take this service like it might be the last one we ever have and magnify his name and glorify him. Come on. And you know I don't preach this way, but I'm telling you, come on, let's just praise him right now. Let's praise him a little bit right now. Let's just magnify him. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for what I am in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done to me. Thank you, Lord. And I accept what you're doing right now. I may not understand all this ISA stuff. I may not understand all this Ebola stuff. But I'm telling you, God, I trust you for what you're doing right now. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You're awesome people. I, I love you so much, so much. So God has spoken. So I'll accept what he's doing. As difficult as it is for me to accept, and I'll give you an example. I have a pastor friend. His name is Gerald Mann. Anybody heard of Gerald? Used to pastor riverbed. He's my buddy, and uh, he really, he really. If he felt better, I think he'd he'd be at church over here, quite a bit. And I, I say that without any reservation, because his son has said many times he's suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. And uh, when he talks right, when he talks straight, he he wrote me a beautiful note not long ago. Said thanks for preaching grace. But he, he he told a story in a book that he wrote one time. He he, he said he told he told about as he's a, when he's a boy, he's a boy, that he had an uncle that went away to the war and he and he had a prize horse. And and that horse was left in Gerald's keeping. He said, Gerald, I want you to feed this horse. I want you to water this horse. I want you to walk this horse. I want you to ride this horse. I want you to treat this horse just like it's yours. And he said, son, if I don't come back from the war, it is yours. I believe you'll take care of it the rest of his life and, and Gerald just was out of his mind little 10, 11 year old boy just out of his mind and he kept that horse and he rode that horse and he petted that horse and he went out some, some nights and he said I even slept with him in the corral I was in the barn with him I didn't want to leave him because he was such a great horse and I loved him and for three years he took care of that horse and one day he got, got home from school and ran out to the barn and the horse was gone And he uh, come back to his mother and he was crying. He said, where's the horse? And she said, honey, your uncle came home from war. And he came and took the horse. And Gerald started saying, it's not fair. It's just not right. It's not good. She said, honey, listen. Everything we have, everything that is ours is only on loan. We We don't own anything. We're just pilgrims. God mercy. So remember what he's done and understand that when things are taken from you, when loved ones are gone, when people take flight from you, when folks walk out on you, when families, when sons say, I don't want this gospel, when daughters say, I don't want anything to do with it, just understand they're God's kid. He just gave them to us on loan. And do the best with what you have, what God's given you. Are you with me? Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Because we are a children of God. And God owns everything that we have. Amen. Come on, you, can you give him that kind of credit? He owns it all. He owns it all. And here's the beauty and power of whatever you're going through. And this is this. Number three, and I close. Habakkuk teaches us to trust what God is going to do. remember what he did we accept what he is doing and we trust what he's going to do and this is found very very clearly in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3 he says i will i will do yet i will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us i'm going to wait in Babylon, they're going to get there is because god has said it so then in verse 17 and 18 he says it this way this if you ever read this it's powerful he said though the fig tree does not bud and though there are no grapes on the vines And though the olive crop fails and the field produces no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, and I put parentheses, though I have no reason to rejoice, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Anyhow. Anyhow. Say hallelujah. Anyhow. Anyhow. I don't care if the stalls are barren, if the fig tree doesn't bud. Hallelujah. 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 I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In your life. It may be that even though my spouse said till death do us part And didn't live up to the word of that phrase that she quoted I will rejoice in the Lord my God Say hallelujah Hallelujah. Even though I raised my kids to be better And they're making very scary decisions right now Yet I will trust in the Lord my God Hallelujah Hallelujah. Anyhow Even though we've prayed physically for someone to get better And they've actually gotten worse Yet I will trust in the Lord my God Hallelujah. Hallelujah Anyhow Even though our house will not sell and we're on the line and I will yet trust the Lord my God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow, even though my finances are tough and it costs $400 to fill my gas tank, yet I will trust in the Lord my God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow, even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it, even though I know he could and should, but he hadn't yet, I will trust in the Lord my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow, clap your hands, rejoice in that. That's chapter three type of faith. Glory. Glory. You know, the first 10 years of my relationship with the Lord, I I received the Lord. I was baptized when I was seven. Received the Spirit when I was nine. It stuck. It's still here. First couple of years of my life, 10 years, I... Had a lot of power, but I was immature. My faith was young. Had a lot of power, but a lot of zeal, but didn't have a lot of wisdom. And 55 years later, I can say this, and I'm going to put it on the screen. I, I, I wrote this for you. I've walked with Jesus far enough, for enough yesterdays, to trust him with all of my tomorrows. I want you to say it with me. I've walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays, to trust him with all of my tomorrows I've walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays to trust him with all of my tomorrows I pray you experience that if not yet one day watch this last verse verse 19 he said the sovereign Lord is my strength he makes my feet like the feet of deer The King James calls it hinds feet He enables me to go to the heights. You know what hind feet really is and I know you folks are smart enough to figure it out but a deer has the ability when they're climbing to put their rear heels in the same tread that the front ones grabbed on the way up. If the front one reached over a rock that was slippery then when he pulls up the hind feet grab the same over the rock experience. It doesn't reach and grab like a horse. Horse doesn't have that. Deer have that. And they can reach and grab, and then those hind feet will come up and touch the same spot. If I make a footprint here with my front paws, my rear paws will make the same footprint in the same place. Wow. What he's saying was, he gives us climbing power. Wow. Hallelujah. He gives me climbing power. And even though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no animals in the barn, Yet the Lord is in his holy temple. Be still all the earth before him. The righteous will live by faith to and forth. God's word will be true. I will find strength in my hope in the Lord my God. And he will take me to new heights. So when you do the Habakkuk. When you do the Habakkuk. What does his name means? It means to embrace. It means to wrestle. That's what it means. Even when you're in the dip and you don't understand. You continue to embrace God. Even perhaps wrestle with him. God, I don't understand, so I'm going to push back. Forgive me for pushing back, but I got to get a grip. I love you, Lord, but I just don't understand. Keep embracing, keep wrestling, because I promise you, the only way to get out of the dip is to praise your way out. I preached. Amen. I preached a, a message here, Randy. If you'll help me. I'm going to get through a little early tonight. You folks ought to feel so good because I'm getting through early. I preached a message in this church one time called Ugly Judah. Ugly Judah. When Judah was put in the pit in the field, Reuben put him in. Reuben means unstable. There's a lot of unstableness in the world that will put you in a pit. There's a lot of things that can happen in your life that'll put you in the pit, but you know who got him out? Judah got him out. Judah pulled him out of the pit and sold him away, but Judah pulled him up. The only thing that'll get you out of a pit that unstableness put you in is praise. Judah means praise. So if unstableness has got you in a place, why don't you let Judah bring you out of that place? Why don't you just praise your way out? Why don't you just, you know, I used, to be, I used to be a praise preacher and I thought, you know, people would get tired and sick of it. But there's a, there's a lot of churches that have lost the ability to absolutely praise their way out of situations. I'm telling you, praise is calmly for the upright. Amen? It's a, it's a, it, this is an occupation. This is what we are. When Abiathar escaped, escaped Doag, 85 priests were slain, one got away. He carried an ephod in his hand to David and showed it to him. Several years later, he didn't have that ephod in his hand. He had it on his chest. He had it over him because he was carrying the Ark of the Covenant back home. It's not what you wave. It's what you carry. It's not what you wave at church. It's what you carry every day in your life. Go ahead and put the ephod on today. Go ahead and put it on and say, I'm coming out of this situation. I'm going to trust him for what he's going to do in my life. And I'm going to praise him before the battle is won. I'm going to praise him before the walls come down. I'm going to praise him before everything happens good in my life. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. At all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Woo! Hallelujah! Somebody magnify him tonight. Somebody magnify him tonight. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.